0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: It takes a lot of hard work and guts to make it in Detroit. And no one knows that better than Carhartt. Since 1889, Carhartt's been making the toughest, most trusted gear for anyone who outworks them because from field to farm and all sites in between, Carhartt's got your back for whatever lies ahead.
2: This edition of the Road to Detroit podcast is dedicated to the memory of one of the great all-time Detroit Tigers, Bill Freehan, who we lost last week at the age of 79, started out his minor league career in 1961, playing for the Knoxville Smokies of the South Atlantic League, then played a year in AAA with the Denver Bears back in 1962, and all he did was go on to become an 11-time All-Star in Major League Baseball a five-time Gold Glove winner, and a winner of the 1968 World Series. We will never forget that play at home in Game 5 of the 1968 World Series when he blocked home plate and stopped Lou Brock from scoring a decisive run that would have given the Cardinals a World Series. Instead, the Tigers were able to rally and win the World Series against the Cardinals. Bill Freehan, one of the great Detroit Tigers and one of the best catchers the game of baseball has ever seen.
3: Hey, this is Bo Bruski. The Road to Detroit podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Dan Hasty.
2: It's happening. It is happening. It is happening. The word is getting out. Relatively speaking, the show you're listening to right now is still a secret. This show has done fewer than 30 episodes. We started this back in 2019. We didn't have a minor league season in 2020, and we had to start from scratch. Less than 30 episodes all time. And this week, the Road to Detroit podcast has become a top 100 baseball podcast in America. Peaked at number 74 on Apple Podcasts list of the best baseball podcasts in America. We're like the hole in the wall restaurant. The chef has been there his whole life and there's like 10 tables, but it's always full. And if you want proof of how much the Tigers care about their minor league system, how about the fact that they're the only team with its own weekly podcast dedicated to the minor leagues and they're imitators. (laughs) Oh boy. There are imitators. there are some teams that get together and say, well, if we put all of our teams together, that makes a major league podcast. No, that's not it. That's not the same thing. And there are some major league teams that have done podcasts dedicated to their minor league teams, but they're not weekly, and in some cases, they're not even monthly. We're the people's podcast. We're the players' podcast. We've now had multiple players come in and say, This is the show I listen to. This is where I find out about the other guys in the system, the guys I've played with down in Lakeland. We all share this space together. With that being said, we would love if you rate and review this show. The ratings help us a ton. The reviews help us even more. After this show, we have four more podcasts here in the regular season as we cover up and put a bow on minor league baseball season. You rating the show, you reviewing the show, that means everything. takes five seconds. Stop what you're doing, rate the show. I will now take this time to pause and allow you that opportunity. (laughs) Your call is very important to us. Please hold on the line, and someone will be with you shortly. Welcome back. It's another installment of the Road to Detroit podcast presented by Carhartt. I'm Dan Hasty. That's our producer, Nate Wangler. On the show today, it's a busy one. Bo (laughs) Brisky. It's about time we cheers to Bo Brisky. The Tigers number 28 prospect has dominated in high A West Michigan and has now gotten even better in double-A Erie. He joins us next here on The Road to Detroit. He's kind of like the show. Kind of off the radar, began the season. Nobody remembered who he was. (laughs) That's kind of mean. (laughs) I don't think anybody forgot who he was. I mean, I would say this. When he came to West Michigan, I didn't know what to expect. He came to West Michigan. His first game, two-thirds of an inning, gave up six runs. And now look at him. One of the best pitchers in the Tigers minor league system statistically through the entire organization this year. Bo Brisky. Cheers to you. We'll talk to him coming up in just a little bit. We'll also be joined by David Chad, the Detroit Tigers assistant general manager. It is a busy day here on the Road to Detroit podcast. Let's get to the news. Well, I know we are a podcast dedicated to the minor leagues, but when something happens that's nearly unprecedented in baseball history, Dan Dickerson said it best. There have been 20,000 players that have played Major League Baseball, and only 28 of them are members of Major League Baseball's 500 home run club.
1: One, one. Fly ball right center. Deep. Got a chance. 500.
0: Miguel Cabrera has done it.
2: The high five to Santiago as he rounds third and his teammates pour out of the dugout. And this crowd in Toronto on their feet. Miguel Cabrera the home run on Sunday in Toronto added his name to the list. Congratulations to Miguel Cabrera. See, that's the difference. That's the difference with the show in 2021 versus 2019. The players that we talked about in 2019 are now meshing with those big leaguers on the roster. That continues to filter farther and farther in. The players we're talking about now, just wait till next year and watch those players find their fit within the players on the current roster. We've got a lot to get to throughout the different levels of the minor leagues, but we've got a big promotion now. It might not be as big as when Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green and Nate Wangler all got promoted to AAA. I didn't hear this. News to me. Yeah. Did you not report? <laughs> but there was a significant move on Monday Colt Keith, the Detroit Tigers' number 12 prospect, according to MLB Pipeline, has been promoted to West Michigan. Numbers this year have been really good. Batting average of 320, on base percentage of 436. Our buddy Chris Brown, who writes for Motor City Bengals, actually had a great tweet. He said that Colt Keith leaves low A ball as the best offensive player in terms of weighted runs created, aged 20 or younger for the Tigers since at least 2006. You've got to go back to the season Cameron Maben was having almost two decades ago. That's a really big deal. The fact that Colt Keith is coming up to West Michigan – For only the final four weeks of the regular season, that's a big deal. That'll set the groundwork for next season. He has earned it with a phenomenal year in Lakeland, but that's exciting. Really looking forward to watching Colt Keith in West Michigan. Colt Keith promoted to the West Michigan Whitecaps of high A. Let's do the (music) on-ramp. To the complex leagues on the backfields of Lakeland, Florida, the Florida Complex League East and West Tigers – In the east, Manuel Sequeira, a six-game hitting streak that ended on the 19th. He finished the week with a pair of doubles as well as his seventh home run of the season. He is hitting for more power than I think anybody expected. On the west side, Roberto Campos hit a couple of home runs, had three runs batted in. Off to Low A Lakeland, the Flying Tigers won two out of six against Jupiter. Ben Mulgary starting to really hit the ball well down in Low A, one of the 2021 Tigers draft picks. He played his college ball at Northeastern, that's in Boston, was the Colonial Athletic Association Tournament's most outstanding player. And all he's done since going to Lakeland is hit 342 with an on base over 400. You're probably looking at a future leadoff man through the levels of this Tigers farm system. Meanwhile, another player promoted from Lakeland to West Michigan, Eliezer Alfonso. He went six for 20 in the series against Jupiter, drove in a pair of runs. Very excited for him to come back to West Michigan. He started the year with the White Caps, played 38 games, did not hit a single home run. Then he goes down to Lakeland and he plays 39 games and he hit seven home runs. Increased his numbers across the board. He was phenomenal. Very happy for him to finish the season in West Michigan. Hoping we get to see a little bit of that power that he was saving for down in Lakeland. And then last but not least, Colt Keith. Of course, the reason he was promoted to West Michigan. He had safely in five out of his six games against the Hammerheads. The former Gatorade Mississippi High School Baseball Player of the Year had a double and a triple, drove in three. Off the high A, West Michigan. The Whitecaps won the first three games of their series against the San Diego Padres affiliate, the Fort Wayne Tincaps, before dropping the final three. Daniel Cabrera hit safely in four out of six, had a double, a triple, a homer, drove in five runs. I got to say, we haven't had very many home runs in West Michigan this year, but Cabrera's might have been my favorite. Whitecaps and LMCU ballpark are on the list of the top five hardest ballparks to hit a home run in in all of minor league baseball. But not for Daniel Cabrera. Here's a high fly ball to right. That one's over and gone. I love when Daniel Cabrera makes us look silly. Two run shot here in the third. It's 5-1 West Michigan. Meanwhile, Jake Holton, the former Creighton Blue Jay, who had a good start to his season down in Lakeland, he earned the promotion to West Michigan. Seven for 21 since joining West Michigan with a pair of doubles and three runs batted in. Meanwhile, a really good week for Gage Workman, who continues to hit the ball really hard, just trying to do it more consistently. He finished the series against Fort Wayne 8-for-20, four doubles a pair of runs batted in. That's kind of where you want Gage Workman. When he does hit it, he hits the ball hard. Meanwhile, on the mound, Brendan White matched his season high in strikeouts with nine in back-to-back starts when five innings against the Fort Wayne Tin Caps on Saturday allowed a pair of runs while matching his career high in punch outs. Off to double A, Erie. Erie 1 1. Erie 1 1. That's hard to say. Erie 1 1 out of six against Richmond. Eric De La Rosa hit his first double A homer. Congratulations to EDLR. He finished the series with a pair of doubles and an RBI. Not bad for a young man that was cut from a college baseball team not too long ago. Josh Lester, 5 for 13. He was sent down to Erie. Ended up with three RBIs on a double and a pair of homers coming in the same game. Off to Triple A Toledo. The Mud Hens, that's a fun team right now. They won 4 out of 6 against the Indianapolis Indians. And some of the reasons why will not surprise you. Spencer Torkelson, a double, a triple, a pair of RBIs in his first week with the Mudhens. Riley Green, first AAA home run. Meanwhile, Ryan Kreidler may have hit better than both of them. 11 for 20 in his first week in AAA. You think he's having fun? Two doubles and homers in back-to-back games while driving in four runs. Meanwhile, Cody Clements finished the series against Indy with a four-game hit streak. A double hit his 12th home run on the season. There's a look at the on-ramp. The Road to Detroit podcast continues. I love when we can dip into both aspects of this team. We are a podcast about the minor leagues, but this team is now in a different place. Now we need to understand how the prospects that we've been talking about for now two seasons how those players begin to coexist with the players already in Detroit. One of the people who dedicates just as much time to the major league side as he does to the minor league side is Detroit Tigers assistant general manager, David Chad. David, thanks for doing this, always good to see you. Oh,
1: thanks for having me, appreciate it.
2: We have a lot to get into. You embody this perfect balance between major and minor leagues. So before we get into kind of the nuts and bolts, how do you balance that time?
1: Well, I think it's, uh, you know, obviously you try to balance your time between the major league season the minor league season. You try to get around and see all the affiliates. I've uh, done a little work internationally as well over in the Dominican Republic and I'm really just going around making sure, following our young players, seeing how their development process is working, um, helping out in any aspect I can and still keeping my uh, hand on at the Major League level with Al with whatever needs he might have at the Major League level. As it pertains to this rebuild, I think
2: for the last time we had you on, because we had you on the show the last episode of season one, back in 2019, where the central focus of our show was Casey Myes it was matt manning it was Terek Skubel. and now fast forward to where we are today it's kind of that three-headed monster what is it what is this basketball like what, when did the big three start becoming a thing but now it's spencer torkelson riley green dylan dingler and obviously some of the draftees we can get into maybe a little bit farther down the road but you have other young pieces now already on the big league roster so now when you're moving players from Toledo or from Erie. Some of those guys have started to, you know, trickle up to Detroit. It's a good problem to have, right? Because now you have to decide what you're going to do with some of these guys. So how do you navigate within that? Because now you have some of these names and some of these pieces.
1: Well, I think it's uh, it's impactful. I think you can never have enough talent in your minor league system. I mean, we're looking at the progressions right now. Derek Hill, Akil Badu, Jake Rogers. Obviously, those guys are coming back from injuries, but those guys did impact our lineup at the major league level. And there are for the most part, Hill and rogers they were in our system. And uh, you know, to watch the progression between the minor leagues all the way from A-ball to double A AA to triple A to the major leagues, and then seeing that impact at the major league level is important. We're watching the same progression now with Torkelson, Green, Dangler, Cridler. We're seeing that same progression grow. And you have to have that in an organization. You just can't go out and sign major league free agents to build your team. You have to continually have depth in your system. That depth comes from minor league signings. It comes from the amateur draft, the international draft. And Scott Plyce and his staff have done an excellent job in the amateur draft, in my opinion, to help rebuild and stock this minor league system. Yeah, you know, somebody was making this point, and I think back to 2003, 2004,
2: and obviously this is going back a ways now, but, you know, when the Tigers started to dedicate different types of resources to improving the major league team, and then, of course, lightspeed to 2006 in the World Series, but where the minor league system was at that time it's very different looking at where it is now because not only have you already brought players up to the big leagues, you have more down the pipeline. And I would have to imagine that that works as a huge negotiating tool when you eventually do decide to make that leap and to go after free agents.
1: Yeah, I think there was a period of years there. We're trying to win it all at the major league level. So we were moving, trading our minor league pieces to win at that level. And, and hey, that's, that was, a, in my, my opinion, that was the right approach at that time. We were that close to doing it. Uh, Got to the World Series twice and came up short. But now, with the vision of Chris Illich and Alvila, it's we're going to draft, develop, and keep. And that's what we're doing now. And then we're going to get to a point where we're going to see the Greens, the Torkelson's, the Mize, the Scoobles, the Mannings. See all these guys at the Major League level where we can piece around them to go back and try to win that World Championship. And that's the direction we're going in. And that's where we're heading. And I think not only at the upper levels, I'm seeing talent at the lower levels. Like I said, I was just over in the Dominican Republic. I see a lot of talent over there. So we're this organization is moving in the right direction, not only at the major league level, but the minor league level as well.
2: You start the season 8 and 22, and then you go 50 and 43 since that time. And like we said, it's with players who are probably going to be a part of this thing as it goes into taking that next step. So let me ask you this. Did you expect – the big league success this year? I mean, the Tigers are not in a position to make the playoffs right now, but to have the success they have had, what aspects of this season has taken you by surprise?
1: Well, I don't think I was surprised. Um, you know, after working the first spring training with AJ and his staff, and AJ's vision is, is he wants to win. He, he's here to win. He doesn't, it doesn't matter. He wants to win game. He wants to win series. He wants to win month. And if you take care of that, you'll win over the period of time. Now, you do have to have talent to win to the major league level. We all know that we feel like we're, we are producing some talent that's enabling him to win with his staff, um, even with the injuries that we've sustained. But I think it all starts at the top. It's a direction at the top, and it's the leadership role that he's given our players that, hey, this is what we expect. These, these are the expectations. Now we gotta go out and do it. And so with the veteran players that we have around our younger players, They've instilled that as well, the Robbie Grossmans, the Jonathan Scopes. They brought that leadership into that clubhouse. Guys, Miguel Cabrera, of course, without saying that we're here to win. Baseball doesn't know how old you are or how many years you've been playing, but we're here to win, and that's the mindset coming all the way from AJ all the way down.
2: Yeah, it's kind of refreshing, especially and then to see the announcement of the extension with Jonathan Scope, somebody who wants to be here, somebody who obviously sees the vision that you guys are seeing and understands where this thing might be headed. So as it pertains to the big leagues and based on what you've seen, I'm just asking for you know David Chad's opinion here. What questions in your mind have been answered based on what we've seen from these guys this year and maybe what questions still remain?
1: Well, I think that the general questions that have been answered is the expectations from AJ to his players. Like I said earlier, he, his expectations that we go out and we, we, we're about to win every game. Uh, there is a certain mindset in that clubhouse now that and it's not only the position players, it's the pitchers as well. It's a coaching staff. It's a strength coach. It's the trainers. We got to get better every day. That's the mindset that I've seen delivered since spring training. Um, guys just want to get better. We don't see ourselves as a team that, um, quite frankly, that, um, you know, just going to go out and roll out the balls and and take a loss. We're out there to win. Um, It doesn't always end up that way with wins and losses. But, you know, we're trying – Our A.J.'s expectations are that we go out and we perform every night. We give everything that we have. We leave everything on the field. And that's pretty much what the players are doing. Talk to me about A.J.
2: Because, you know, when it got off to that – it's tough start, that 8-22. Uh, I felt
1: like we were hearing a lot of, oh, same old, same old. But something happened. What happened? Yeah, I'm, I really can't put my finger on that, what happened. But, again, I think it goes back to his expectations in the coaching, his expectations of his coaches, the coaches' expectations of the players, A.J.'s expectations of the players. And that's that we're, we're here to win. And uh, it doesn't matter who we're playing or when we're playing them, we're here to win. And so I, we did get off to a tough start, and – you know, we we rode that storm a little bit, and we we got better, and then we suffered some injuries. We're getting some players back that I think can help us, and you know, we're just he just we show up every day playing play the game to win and minimize our mistakes on the field, and good things will happen.
2: There was a former GM in Major League Baseball that once told me. I, I think I asked him if you had the choice between having the best pitcher on the field or on the mound that day, or the best hitter in a particular ball game, which one would you choose? And they said. Give me the best pitcher because if I have the best pitcher, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I have a chance to win that day. Well, Chris Fetter has been taking guys who have been looking for success through their minor league and even sometimes a major league career and finding a way to squeeze a lot of toothpaste out of that tube and has been creating value and has been finding a chance to get these guys success. What is it about Chris Fetter that has enabled him to do?
1: I that? think the strength of Chris is that he can relate to the young pitcher as well as the veteran pitcher, the Michael Fulmers, the Casey Mizes, he can relate to both. He has such a uh, calming way that he teaches and such a strong understa- understanding of the technology that he can speak that language, these young pitchers that are coming up, the Mises, the Mannings, the Scoobles, as well as the Michael Fulmers, the Matt Boyds. So he he can he can touch everyone. And he does it in such a way that uh, of respect. And our pitchers understand that, they know that, and they grasp what he's telling them. And he, he just does an unbelievable job preparing our pitches for, for for not only our starters, but our bullpen guys as well for each night's game. He, he's a very hard worker, uh, very diligent, um, and like I said, very strong in the technology aspect of the game.
2: This idea of a uniform code from the top all the way down. We do things the same way in Detroit as we do them all the way down in, in the Florida Complex League. So it kind of leads me to think about the fact that Chris Fetter is the pitching coach at the major league level and how that trickles down through the different levels of the minor league system. How does what he tries to preach at the major league level work with, the levels beneath, the Toledo's,
1: the Erie's and the West well, he, he, I know Chris works closely with A.J. Sager and Dan Hubbs and so whatever his v- expectations are at the major league level, that gets filtered down all the way through, all the way down to the Dominican Republic International, Dominican Summer League. You have to have it that way in my opinion, that way when guys are trickling through your system moving from level to level to level. Once they do get to the big leagues, there's no surprises. The expectations, everybody understands what to expect. Your challenges don't change along the way. No, 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 not at all. But what he expects, and that's at the Major League level, he expects that to be done. Not only does Chris Feder expect that, A.J. expects that as well. And so does Scott Coolball as far as the hitting aspect goes. So those expectations have to be started at the, the lowest level and just continue to work and develop all the way through the system from level to level. We're talking to David
2: Chad, the Detroit Tigers assistant general manager. The big news that came down about a week ago was the mass movement throughout the minor league system, was the promotions of a guy like Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green, Ryan Kreidler, Brady Policelli, They all get the bump up to AAA Toledo. And in the case of Green and Torkelson, of course, a lot of eyeballs on those two as they've been working through the minor league system this year. It's hard to believe that in a guy like Torkelson's case three months ago, he hadn't played him professional baseball game but yet here we are so what was the talk internally about what made them
1: ready for that league well i think it's the old saying in player development that we don't tell the players when they're ready to move they tell us when they're ready to move by performance and all those guys were performing at a high level and uh, very well and we just thought we had as an organization we needed to continue to challenge them Uh, ultimately they're going to play in the big leagues and we need to get them ready for that and they proved they could handle the high-A level. They prove they can handle the double-A level. So we're going to put them in triple-A and see what happens there, um, in which I think they'll be fine, all of them. And they all pretty much have gotten off to a good start. Um, sometimes you do move a player because of necessity. If there's an injury and you have to f- fill in at a certain time. That happens. But for the most part, it's based on performance, and all three of those guys were performing great. So, You know, in Erie...
2: The Seawolves were probably a couple of games farther back out of their potential playoff run, whereas a team like Toledo, a little bit closer, a little more in the thick of it. But I keep coming back to the fact that Toledo's playing more games this year. They literally have more games to play because AAA added on some more games at the end of the season. Did that have any bearing on moving
1: these guys? Up? Not really. Um, you know, we certainly take notice of the, orga- of the affiliates that are winning and losing, and we like our players, you know, obviously on winning programs. But... That doesn't really have an effect as far as us moving a player or not moving a player. We just look at what's best for the player, what's best for the organization at that particular time. Uh, The fact that Toledo is playing more games is really of of need because of the major league season. The major league season now is going into October, so we gotta have a triple-A season that's gonna cover in case we have an injury at the major league level. So it is good for those three guys to go up there and they'll get more at bats, they'll get more experience, and uh, it'll be good for them, and it'll be good for us as an organization.
2: Yeah, we've been watching Spencer Torkelson. We've seen Riley Green, who was just having one of the best seasons for a player going up against two-, three-, four-year-old or competition. But I'm interested in what your take has been on Riley this year because some people have said that, I mean, we're we're starting to throw around the S-word,
1: and that's special with Riley. Yeah, he is. I, I really believe he is. You know, for a player like Riley at a young age to do what he's done on the field, and just uh, the way that he handles adversity, the way that he handles certain things in a game, certain pitches in a game, certain defensive situations in a game. For a player that young to be able to do that, and we knew it early when we brought him over from Iron League camp to Big League camp as a young player at 18 years old. And he showed us really what he had at that age. We knew we thought we, we were onto something really pretty special here. So. And he's done nothing but go out and do it uh, day to day. Um, I just came off a trip from up in Erie, and he, he was un, unbelievable really for those five games. He, he uh, Oh, so you're the reason he got promoted. I'm not, huh? not the, believe me, I'm, not the, I'm not the reason, I'm not the reason, <laughs> but it was just, it was fun to watch. I mean, he played center field like Freddie Lynn. He swung the bat like Freddie Lynn. I mean, it was just, it was just, uh, he, he he's fun to watch play because he enjoys to play the game and he works hard at it and he, uh, you know, it's his life and, and he puts everything he has into it. The same as Spencer mm-hmm. and same as Ryan. They all three do. And it's, it's, it's fun to see those kids get rewarded um, for the hard work that they've been putting into it.
2: You have this huge front office background, whether it be in the front office, in scouting. You've been watching players for so many years now. I'm curious what makes David Chad say, wow, when he watches a minor league player. For whether it be Riley or Spencer or Ryan Kreidler, has there been any moments for any of those three guys this season that made you say, wow?
1: There has. And in... Uh Spencer, I think, with his unique ability to hit the ball the opposite way with the power that he has. Um, Watching him play third and first and adjust to that. Um, you know, Riley playing center field and making some of the catches he makes. And then Ryan playing short to what he does on the, on the defensive side of the game as well as the offensive side of the game. They're just fun to watch. And uh, you you know, when you take note when you see certain players and how they play the game. And it's just not one game. It's over a period of time of, of what they do on the field that, uh, that gets you excited.
2: A couple of weeks ago, it was Reese Olson on the mound in West Michigan. And he came out, and he threw exceptionally well. He went six shutout innings, then he went to Lake County, and he went five innings, striking out ten. But my favorite Reese Olson moment came two days before his first start in West Michigan. And that's when somebody came into the press box and looked down at the dugout and said, Dan who's the new bat boy and I think I said I think that's Reese Olson. so my question to you is how does 96 miles an hour come out of an arm and a body like that
1: you got me it's physics I guess <laughs> I have no idea I remember saying the same thing about Tim Lenscombe when he was in college I'm like he's a bat boy in this club and anyway it's just you know, some guys can do it I, I have yet to see Reese Olson. I can't wait to see him in Erie um, but I've heard tremendous things about him and his ability and his how he competes on the mound and I'm excited for him and I'm glad he's with our organization for sure. Meanwhile, you promoted Bo Brisky
2: or the, the player development side promoted Bo Brisky, and he had himself a phenomenal start to the season here in West Michigan. He Really prides himself on a changeup, and to find a swing and miss changeup at this level, it's not that common. So, what have you noticed about Bowen? Why has he been able to carry that success to Double
1: A? I think that's just it. I think he has three pitches that are effective, and it's not like he's a you know an eighty-seven, eighty-eight guy. He gets it up to ninety-five. Um, he keeps hitters off balance. He throws strikes, and he competes. And um, you know, like I said, players will tell you when they're ready for that move. And he obviously he showed us here that. He was ready to make that next step and Reese as well so you know I just think it's it's what makes him successful is just that it's the ability to throw those three pitches.
2: Now we look at what the major league teams is doing we see that the minor league teams are doing the Toledo team is just must see right now so when we turn the page on this year and maybe when we're five ten years down the road what do you think we'll look back on this 2021 season and, and say 2021 did
1: this in the long scope of things for the Tigers rebuild. I think a big improvement, a successful uh, improvement at the major league level. Um, I think we'll, we've seen big improvements at the minor league level. I think their national publications somewhere at some of us have somewhere as high as three is as, as six. Um, so I think the 2021 season's is bright. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with our manager at the major league level. I think he just he set a different tone for the organization when he came here. And the expectation is to develop and win. And uh, that's what we're doing. David Chad,
2: the Detroit Tigers, assistant general manager. It is fun to be having fun again. Watching this major league team do what they've done this year. It's been a breath of fresh air, and I know you've enjoyed every second of it as well. Thank you very much for joining us here on the road to Detroit. Thank you. Appreciate it. That is David Chad right here on the road to Detroit. It's now time for Best in Class. Of all the players in the Tigers minor league system, this one made the most noise. He was also making some noise on this podcast last week.
0: We've ever seen. Here's one hit in the air. Deep right center.
2: Way back Alaba at the wall, and it is gone. Wow, that one kept going. Kreider has a second home run in two days. Ryan Kreidler officially making AAA look like a video game. He went 11 for 20. For those of you at home, that's a 550 padding average with a 609 on-base percentage. It's okay if the numbers don't stay that high the rest of the season, but what an opening week for the Toledo Mudhens for Ryan Kreidler. He was on another level this week. On top of that, when we talked to Ryan last week, he was rated the Tigers' number 19 prospect. And then, during this past week, MLB Pipeline updated their rankings, and now Ryan Kreidler has become a Tigers top 10 prospect. He currently rates at number 10. We talked to Greg Ganya of the Erie Seawolves Radio Network. He said Ryan Kreidler was the best defensive shortstop he had ever seen during his time in Erie. So if he's playing defense at that level, and he's hitting the baseball the way he has been, and look, it's inevitable AAA pitchers will start to adjust but Jim Leland told us this a while ago. He said, if you can hack it at A, you're probably going to the big leagues. That jump from high A to A is considered to be the hardest one in the system. Well, Ryan Kreiler never played A ball. He only played short season. And look at him now. He's found a way to not only have success in Erie, but he's found a way to increase and add to it as he's gone to AAA Toledo. Not too shabby for the former UCLA Bruin and fourth-round pick of the Tigers back in 2019. Congratulations to Ryan Kreidler. He's a two-time winner of this year's Best in Class Award. So Ryan Kreidler, a lot of cried lights in Toledo this past week. He's the winner of Best in Class. And now, Nate Wangler, fresh after returning from Australia and hand-delivering last week's Rosa to Jack O'Loughlin, is back this week after racking up a lot of bills and
0: frequent flyer miles. Who's this week's ROSA winner? You won't believe where I get to go this week. Lansing, Michigan. Yay. Yay. So we go from frequent
2: flyer miles to uh, what,
0: the bus? Yeah, exactly. I'll just drive there. But Brendan White is the winner of this week's ROSA. You know what's interesting? Back in June... He was really putting up some impressive numbers. 19 innings pitched. He only allowed one earned run that entire month before being awarded Pitcher of the Month, Minor League Pitcher of the Month by the Detroit Tigers. And then June comes around and teams start to figure him out a little bit. 20 earned runs through 29 and two-thirds innings. And you start to wonder about Brendan White. He has that one really good pitch, his slider. It's his dominant pitch. But when are the other pitches going to start to complement it? And I think he's kind of figured it out in the month of August. Over his last two starts, 10 innings pitched, 18 strikeouts. He's 0-1 over that stretch, but the offense hasn't necessarily produced for him. But I think he's starting to figure out where to locate his fastball and really attacking hitters well. At the high A level. We shouldn't forget about Brendan White. I still think he has a lot to prove in his time in the minor leagues. He is the winner of this week's Rosa. He's got a slider over 3,100
2: RPMs. That is an elite spin rate. No surprise that Brendan White has found success with it before season's end. You know, if you hurry, you can actually meet him at the ballpark in West Michigan, then you don't even have to go to Lansing. That's a bit of a drive still. I mean, I'm sure you're jet-lagged from what happened last
0: week. All right, so you got this? I can I can go? I, I, I don't. I don't have this. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Congrats to Brendan White, the winner of this week's Rosa. The
2: Road to Detroit podcast continues. You know, to some, the Road to Detroit podcast is still very, very much a secret. Over the last couple of weeks, this show has started to pop up on things like the Top 100 Baseball Podcasts in America. Well, not only is the Road to Detroit podcast experiencing a breakout, but so is our next guest, Bo Brisky seven and four with a 319 earned run average he has been phenomenal between high a west michigan and is now off to a very very good start in erie pennsylvania bo brisky talk to me
3: hey dan thanks for having me on i'm excited to chat and give the fans a little uh, insight on whatever uh, they want to hear we talked to talent
2: evaluators we talked to people in the tigers front office and To a man, they always say, the player will let you know when they're ready to move up. So you're one of these perfect examples. You were able to clearly send a message this season. What was it about your season in West Michigan that enabled you to do that?
3: I refined my stuff a little bit, and I kind of realized who I am as a pitcher. And I started being really aggressive, trusting myself refining as I go. So learning from my mistakes and then trying to sharpen it, sharpen everything up each each week as I prepare for each start. What were you
2: as a pitcher before your season here with West Michigan and then now to Erie? And what would you say you are now? How's that changed?
3: The draft version of me like right after the draft is uh, my first half season of Pro ball, I would say that I was I was raw. As a pitcher, throwing hard to to put me kind of on the radar to even get drafted. So at the time, it was a lot of just throwing feeders, obviously still trying to hit corners and whatnot, but it just wasn't the same approach as being a pitcher that I feel like I have now. Yeah, I said just becoming more of a pitcher and then obviously my stuff getting a little bit better as well.
2: Bo, is there a police chase going on by you right now? Are you in trouble?
3: Yeah, there was, there was. (laughs)
2: I didn't see anything. I wasn't paying
3: attention to it, though.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so now you end up going to Double A, and we'll get into that in a minute. But in our opinion, one of the reasons that you're up there, and there were a number of starts that could have easily considered to be your case to move up, but... One of your very last starts with West Michigan, a complete game shutout. Seven innings, part of a 5 nothing win over Fort Wayne. Just two hits, two walks, nine strikeouts to tie your career high. And then the very next game, which was part of a doubleheader. So you pitched the first game. Then your team went out. Your bullpen went out and threw a no-hitter. So what's better, a seven-inning no-no or a 14-inning two-hitter?
3: That's a good question. I'm going to have to go with a no-no just because no-nos are pretty cool. And I actually have thrown one no-no. It was in middle school. But um, at this level, a no-no is pretty special. So especially when it's multiple guys, because that's multiple guys coming in and being sharp, which is impressive to me.
2: Is there a best game you've ever pitched that immediately comes to mind for you? And I don't know if that's in West Michigan or if that's in middle school, but is there a best game you'd say you've ever pitched? Hmm.
3: It's honestly hard for me to argue against that game that you were just uh, talking about because I feel like I'm the best I've ever been as a pitcher, and uh, that was my best game as of late, so it's hard for me to say that that's not it, but uh, there's there's a few other games that, like that no-hitter in middle school, it's hard for me to say that, that wasn't my best game as a pitcher, but. I had a 15-strikeout game in, in college so that was pretty good, but I still actually gave up a few runs. So I don't think that was I, – I, I'm going to have to go with the, the one against Fort Wayne. We're
2: talking to Bo Brisky. So you talked about being essentially the best version of yourself right now. What has been the big change for you this season? Has it been physical? Has it been mental? Or has it been both, and who's helped you do it?
3: Uh, I, th- I think it has been both physical and mental. And physically, I feel like I've, ha- I've gained a lot better understanding of my body and my mechanics and also just became a better athlete during the, the COVID off year. Uh, and I'd give a lot of credit to my, the guy that I trained with uh, back home, Benjamin Williams, and then the, the pitching coach that I worked with back, uh, back home. John Heisinga has also helped a lot with mentality as a pitcher leading up to this year. And then once I got here, uh, Willie Blair helped me a ton as far as refining my arsenal and kind of knowing how to use it and when to use my pitches to lead to the most success.
2: What is your favorite pitch to throw? Uh,
3: my favorite pitch to throw is probably a I guess it depends on the situation, but uh, probably a, a clean forcing fastball right on the corner. I don't really think that there's, there's – there's not really much you can do to that as a hitter – with that as a hitter. And if you're throwing that consistently uh, as a pitcher, you're probably going to have a good day.
2: Somebody said to me when they saw you pitch the first time in West Michigan, they said – it is rare to see somebody so young and at this level with this good of a change up. And personally, I think that that might have been your ticket into getting yourself here as an established prospect here in the Tigers organization. I think you already were one. I think it just now is people are starting to catch up. but. I think the changeup is a really, really hard pitch to refine. But you're somehow doing that. So tell me about that pitch and then what you do to feed off of it.
3: Uh, That pitch is probably that's throughout my career. uh, It's probably always been my best pitch, my best off-speed pitch. And um, really, it started in high school. My coach had showed me a grip in high school. And from that point on, I, I just played catch with it every single day i long tossed with it i threw it as hard as I could i threw it close um i threw it honestly almost as much as my fastball for quite a while in catch play just trying to develop a feel with it because at the end of the day the changeup is usually the hardest pitch to get a feel with and if you have the feel with it it makes it definitely makes your fastball a lot better, but I think it makes everything in your arsenal a lot better just because it's, it's just the equalizer. Um, if it's on, it's just you can throw it in any count, and it, if it looks like your fastball, it's going to give hitters a lot of problems.
2: I saw your college numbers. Didn't you play for <laughs> Glendale and hit, like, 300 yeah. as a sophomore? Do you miss being a, a two-way player? I mean, especially with what Otani's doing this year.
3: I, yeah, I actually do miss uh, hitting and playing the field. That was, that was a lot. But no regrets. I have no regrets as far as that goes. Uh, I, worked, I worked hard to be a hitter, and it just didn't work out. So I'm having fun pitching for sure.
2: We're talking with Bo Brisky. So talk to me about the differences between West Michigan and Erie. How have you adjusted to double-A?
3: It's similar, but obviously a little bit different as far as can't make. If you make mistakes, you're going to get hit, and it's probably going to be a little bit more damage done. This is the biggest thing that I've noticed. Uh, if you leave stuff in the middle and you're predictable, especially, you're, you're going to get punished for it. And then, other than that, it's probably guys are spinning on put away pitches a little bit more often. So you got to be think you just need to command the ball a little bit better uh, and then set make sure that you're uh, not predictable like I said because if you fall into uh, a pattern then you're going to get punished as well but overall I feel like um, if you go out and execute your game plan and pitch to your strengths I, you're going to you're going to do well pretty much anywhere you go
2: Bo Brisky spent the majority of his season in West Michigan in 2021, six and three, a 345 ERA. And all he's done is go to Erie and lower that ERA by a run. It's now a 245 earned run average. You were selected in the 27th round back in 2019. And truth mm-hmm. be told, I don't know if we've ever had a former 27th round pick mm-hmm. on this podcast, you know, so we, we, we get the chance to talk to a lot of high draft picks. Mm-hmm. So in mm-hmm. talking to you, I think you've got an interesting perspective on what it's like when you just need that opportunity, when you're just looking mm-hmm. for someone to call your name. What are the challenges associated with being somebody picked later in the draft as opposed to earlier?
3: the room for error is just a little bit smaller if you're picked later, just because you're one not thought of as the, the same level of prospect as the guys that are go, going earlier than you. But, um, at the end of the day, you still get the opportunity to go out compete and show what you can do. So, um, I feel like it is kind of an even playing field in that sense. Um, When you're out on the mound, I don't really care what round the guy I'm facing was drafted in. I'm just trying to get him out. and I'm sure that he's thinking the same thing. So uh, in that sense, I think it's it's really cool. Um, But really, it just uh, allows for you to kind of uh, sit back and analyze yourself and realize where your weaknesses are at. Uh, Because obviously, if you're getting drafted later, you're not thought of as the type of guy that is gonna rise as quickly or get to the the highest level eventually. Um, so really I had to sit back, analyze myself and say, I need to get better at all these things if I want to get to the level that I'm wanting to get to.
2: I would say you've played with some of the biggest prospects in this Tiger system, at least a good chunk of the year. I know you started in West Michigan. You had Spencer Torkelson. You got to Erie where Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson were playing. So you haven't had to pitch to some of these uber prospects some of these Mm -hmm. guys but that doesn't mean you haven't and you've put a Mm -hmm. lot of work in so uh, based on the guys that you've played I know you do keep an eye on some of the guys around baseball you have a pretty good idea of of who's who and what's going on Mm -hmm. are there any particular sequences strikeouts matchups that you faced a certain hitter this year that you said yeah you know what I I did it right there's a lot of good offensive players out there
3: yeah I'm thinking I instantly just thought of the Loons games that I had, and it actually probably didn't go the way that I wanted it to go for me in those starts, Uh, but I learned the most from those starts. Um, I don't know if you remember that. That was my double start week over at their place, and they touched me up twice back-to-back starts, and that lineup was good, and I think it kind of uh, highlighted what I need to improve on for sure. So, I can move forward and continue to get better. Um, So, I would say that just that lineup in general was a big step for me.
2: What was it about those two games? Because you're talking about the early part of June, you were against Great Lakes, you went two games. And you gave up a total of 10 runs. But after that, your next six starts, you gave up a combined nine runs. So clearly you picked something up. And not too long ago, and it's actually part of this podcast this week, David Chad, the Detroit Tigers assistant general manager, had actually said it is important for guys to go through some struggles in the minor leagues. Clearly Mm -hmm. that benefited you. How did it Mm -hmm. help
3: I think it helps because Willie and I both believe that I was tipping my pitches there uh, to those guys. And I think that's what good hitters are gonna pick up on for sure. And then they're gonna also take advantage of it. So uh, I learned that I need to be more consistent in my delivery so that I'm not um, basically just telling the guys what's coming. And so that's a, that's a big learning moment for me because I, I mean, I've never really had that type of problem as a pitcher, um, in any other level. So, uh, that, that was kind of a, it was a blessing in disguise to get, to get uh, knocked around a little bit. Cause it helps me, uh, sharpen my, sharpen everything up.
2: Yeah. I would assume it's good to hear that, you know, rather than hearing, Oh, well, your fastball is not as good as it needs to be, or your change of not as good. It's just like, Hey,
3: you're tipping pitches, dude. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like that yeah. that's fixable. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah i it was very frustrating at the time, because I had some good stuff uh in those starts, and i just I was just not getting them out and uh they were just on everything and so uh i I really think that that was part of it uh but also the fact that they were just they were good hitters um but that yeah that was a big uh it was a big series.
2: Well, failing upward, I guess is the way to put it yeah. on those two games uh, and now all of a sudden you, you turn around and you're considered a top 30 prospect. You you've cracked the back end of the top 30. I don't think that's the place that you're going to sit long term. Uh, I've seen you. I think I'm biased because you work so quickly that you're like a broadcaster's dream. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so, but I mean, not that you get obsessed with prospect rankings and things like that, but what does it mean, you know, for a former 27th rounder to be on that top 30 list? I mean, if they were doing that draft all over again, there's no way you're a 27th round pick.
3: Uh, yeah, I would hope not. Uh, but I would say that uh, it's definitely, it feels good to get some recognition um, and show, and kind of show me that the hard work is paying off, but also it's, kind of it's more so motivating for me because like you said that's not really what my overall goal is to be i want to be highly productive at the highest level so uh, i just think that i need to keep working and keep my head down and uh, take care of what i can take care of control what i can control
2: yeah, I don't think Bo Brisky will be getting business cards made with the phrase, Tigers number 28 prospect. I think, <laughs> I think we're going to wait on that a little bit longer. Um, we're talking to Bo Brisky here on the Road to Detroit podcast presented by Carhartt. And I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up because you said something to us that I have never had a pitcher say to me before. And this is something that I haven't forgotten and I've always appreciated about you. It was a day where I was in the Whitecaps locker room. I was going, I think, to talk to Brendan White after a particular game. And you, I think, were sitting next to him or close by him. And as I was getting Brendan White for a pregame conversation, I said to you something to the effect of, hey, just so you know, we want to have you on pregame. But you're starting today, so I'm not going to bother you. And you're the only person in my years (laughs) of doing this that actually came up to me later and said, hey, Dan, just so you know. I don't care about stuff like that. You can talk to me on a day that I'm starting. (laughs) So, first of all, I love that. That was like a unicorn situation. Never seen Uh that in your life. But Uh take me through your game day routine on the day of a start. Because some guys, you can't
3: even look at them. Honestly, that is is a big thing that I've tried to work on this year. I've tried to be the guy that does the same routine uh, right from the time I wake up and try to be locked in right from that moment. And it just honestly did not work for me. I think it is more beneficial for me to wake up and just take it like it's another day, uh, be loose. Um, And then when the time comes for me to lock in, it's easier for me to kind of like switch that gear. Um, uh, It's kind of tiring for me to be locked in from the get go. So that's kind of, just um, part of my plan is to be loose and just kind of take the day as it comes to me. Uh, so if there's an interview that that morning, then that's all right. Um, but at the end of the day, I will be ready for when I go out on the field and get ready for my start.
2: That is refreshing on every level. And again, if you're going to waste energy, do it on the mound. Don't do it before
3: you're starting. Yeah, yeah. I learned that lesson the hard way.
2: Yep, yep. Again, another reason. Failing upward, right? I mean, this is what this whole process is, this whole development is, and you are an example of it as much as anybody. Bo Brisky, I'm so happy for you. We're all rooting for you. It's been a phenomenal year. Very excited to see what next year brings and obviously the seasons ahead. Bo Brisky, thank you very much for joining us here on the Road to Detroit podcast.
3: Thank you very much for having me, Dan. It was uh, was a fun interview. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you.
2: It's now time for The Road Ahead. Lakeland's off to Dunedin for a six-day, seven-game series against the Blue Jays. They've got a lot of the new 2021 MLB draft picks there, which is making Lakeland an interesting watch. While West Michigan, they take off to the state's capital for a six-game series against the Lansing Lugnuts. Erie's on the road as well. They take on Bowie for the next six days against the Bay Sox, and Toledo hosts St. Paul for a six-game set. Going to be fun watching Toledo over the next couple of weeks as they finish out their season. They have a few extra games this year. Major League Baseball added some games to the AAA schedule. So guess what? When all the other teams are done, Lakeland, West Michigan, Erie, we get bonus baseball for the Mudhens, which means we get more Riley Green, we get more Spencer Torkelson, we get more Ryan Kreidler, and you love to see it. I don't think anybody will have any problems with that. That's a look at the road ahead. Huge thanks this week to Bo Brisky.
0: Cheers.
2: (laughs) Bo Brisky joining us here on this edition of the Road to Detroit. I love the fact that Bo just doesn't overthink it. When we talk to him about his pre start routine and how he thinks about every game, the day of game, and how he tries to put it all together, he honestly just doesn't want to overthink it. And that's something that, you know, this game, You don't even want to think that much. No thinking. Bo Brisky hasn't overthought it, and he has shined in the Tigers minor league system this year. And also a huge thanks to David Chad. Nobody else can blend the major and minor leagues together and allow us to understand how these two entities can coexist with one another. I think David Chad was fantastic. That's all for this week here on the Road to Detroit podcast presented by Carhartt. For our producer, Nate Wangler, I'm Dan Hasty, And until next week.
3: See ya!
1: No one's been part of more first days of work than Carhartt. And in the same way rookies have to keep earning respect, Carhartt never stops earning the respect of hardworking people like you. From building rugged gear that's tougher than any first day or worst day of work to re-engineering the classics to outwork the future. Trust your Carhartts to keep doing their job, long after you've been doing yours. Since 1889, Carhartts got your back 24-7. Visit Carhartt.com or visit a retail store near
3: you.